All right, welcome to the Freedom Chasers podcast where we bring you tips and strategies, interviews that share the mindsets, the stories, and the strategies to help you grow your business and live a life of freedom and purpose. Today we have a very, very special guest, Camille Rose from The Ultimate Life. She is a high-performance coach that coaches entrepreneurs that are even my mentors and beyond. So these are people that have gotten me and much beyond, and she's coaching them. So she has insights into mindset that are going to be really amazing to listen to. I'm so excited to get into this interview. And so for those of you listening, if you're an entrepreneur and you're feeling like maybe there are some mindset shifts you could do, better ways you can do your business, you're definitely going to want to tune into this. And so Camille, if you wouldn't mind taking us in right away to what led you to get into the business of mindset coaching yeah, and absolutely. high performance coaching. Yeah. It, and Thank you so much, first of all, Matt, for having me on the show. I'm excited to talk to your people. And uh, my journey officially started with The Ultimate Life in 2016. Mm -hmm. Now, prior to that, I was actually doing marketing and branding consultancy for a lot of people in the real estate industry. Um, I studied psychology and mass communications at Berkeley for college. And um, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. Like I thought for a while, I actually went into school to be pre-med. <laughs> I thought I wanted to be a doctor. Mm. Um, my family's from the Philippines. So to give a little cultural background, I thought I only had three job options. It was doctor, lawyer, engineer. <laughs> that was kind of just like right. culturally <laughs> what I thought it was. Um, right. But very early on, I realized I was never meant to be a doctor. I'm not good at science and math. So... I remember kind of going into a bit of a depression um, my sophomore year of college, and I was praying, asking God basically like, hey, what do you want me to do? Like, I, I know I've got something great in me, but I have no idea what it is. And I don't know if any of you have ever felt that mm. way, but it's very frustrating, right? You just, you have all this energy yeah. and this desire. You want to live a big life. And I just felt I wasn't smart enough for it. You know, I'd seen failure after failure. And then one day I spoke to a, actually a guidance counselor who asked me a great question. Well, why do you want to be a doctor in the first place? And to hmm. be fair, it was the first time someone had ever asked me the why question. Well, why do you want to do this to begin with? And the first answer that came out of my mouth was, well, I want to heal people. Uh, I want to help people. And she looked at me and she goes, oh, honey, there is more than one way to help a person heal. From Ooh. And I had yeah, no idea what great. she meant by that. Right, right. But I, you know, you're 18, you're just narrow focus, you're just trying to make money. I mean, to me, that was the right thing to do. And so I said, okay. And then she asked, well, what are you great at? Let's look at your uh, resume, basically, my curriculum at the time. And I was crushing it in things like uh, psychology, uh, political science, business classes, so sociology, basically the understanding of the human mind. And she found the patterns for me. So she said, look, hmm. college is not a time for you to focus on your weaknesses. I need you to look at your strengths and then go all in on that. And again, another like aha moment, because up until that point, I was only taught be a straight A student, be good at everything, <laughs> don't have an expertise, right? Um, and so this permission to focus on like what I called my God-given strengths was very freeing for me. And so I studied mm. both psychology and mass communications at the time. So I ended up going from failing one degree to completing two bachelors within only two years because I loved the subject wow. so much. Yeah, but mm. I still didn't know what I wanted to do. I was like, okay, well, what do I do with psychology and kind of a business? How do I make money? Degree? Yep. <laughs> right, because at, at the time, executive coaching was not something that was really marketed to us in college. It wasn't, you know, the coaching industry 
I'd say exploded in probably the past like 10 years or so. Um, mm -hmm. I graduated just about that time. So it, it still wasn't considered oh, a, a credible career, <laughs> if you will. Uh, they were seen as a lot of motivational speaking, uh, snake oil salespeople, and you never knew what you were going to get. Um, so I didn't pursue it. I just got a job, did marketing and branding because it was the closest thing to psychology and sales. But what I realized very quickly was, number one, I loved working with business owners and entrepreneurs because that was my job. Mm -hmm. And then the second thing is I would sit with them for hours on end, pulling out the vision in their mind of what they wanted their business to feel like, look like, hence branding, right? And then how to reach the people they wanted to reach. And one day, a mentor of mine that I was working with, also a client, said, hey, have you ever considered executive coaching? And I didn't know what it was. And I asked him, I said, well, what is, what is that? And he goes, basically what you do with us. Like, you sit down with me, you pull out all the stuff in my head that I had no idea was there, and you help me see it out on paper so clearly, and now I know how to execute on it. Like, because when it's in here, I'm so confused, but you have a way of asking questions that help me get it out. And that's where my psychology kicked in. So I was like, okay. So I looked into it and I invested in myself for the first time at the age of about 26 and 27. And when I say invest in myself, it was the first time I went from just reading self-development books because I liked them. I've, all, I've always been a fan of wisdom literature, but I never attended a seminar. Like I never hired a coach. Mm. I never put money towards myself to actually pursue it. And I attended a Tony Robbins webinar, believe it or not, um, and it was called at the time UPW Unleash the Power Within. Had no idea mm -hmm. what I was getting myself yep. into. Have you been before? I uh, yeah yeah. <laughs> right, and I, I realized quickly that this was essentially like a four-day party. <laughs> there was a lot of jumping. Right, exactly. Right, and I honestly thought it was just going to be a bunch of desks, note taking, and you're quiet the whole time. I was shocked at. Um, the level of energy, the way he spoke, and you know whether you're a fan of him or not, he's effective at what he does. That was basically my big takeaway from it. Um, he got people to move and take action, which is essentially what he was trying to do. And there was a very distinct moment at that seminar where I was standing in the back of the room of about 5,000 people. And this is at the time where he was still just one level, so that it wasn't like a stadium yet. You could all kind of like be on the same floor. And there must have been a straight line between me and him towards the stage because I was standing in the aisle and I'm watching him kind of mesmerized by his movement, his voice. And it was like this like electric shock went through the top of my head down to the tips of my toes. And I heard this whisper in my ear while everyone is screaming that this is exactly what I need you to do. And I was shocked because it was the wow. first time in my life at that point that I felt so much clarity on what I I thought God was calling me to do. I was like, yeah, that's it. All right, I'm supposed to be speaking on stages. I'm supposed to be helping people transform. That's why I was studying psychology. That's why I was studying business. There was like this coming together of that place of depression I was in for a long time, thinking I wasn't worthy because I couldn't become a doctor. But in fact, there was a whole different plan for my life. But I tell you, Matt, the second thought I had was astonishing. So that first one was, yes, I found my calling. This is it. I'm going to pursue it. But my second one was, yeah, but Camille, Tony is a six foot seven white guy with a right? big voice. <laughs> you right? are a five <laughs> totally. foot two 
woman of color with a very small voice. No one's going to hear you. Right. No one's going to see you on the stage. In comes the limiting beliefs. Yep. Right. I couldn't believe it, Matt. Like, if another person told me they felt that way about themselves, I would tell them that doesn't matter at all. Like, if Mm -hmm. it's in your heart, you're meant to do it. But for me, when you're personally experiencing a limiting belief, it's just so real to you. I was like, yeah, that's true. Hmm. Forget it. (laughs) I'm not meant for this. Like, I'm not the right person. And I walked out of actually that seminar feeling quite depressed. Um, And then to shorten the story, I ran into somebody who basically told me, you realize that Mother Teresa was 410 and changed the world. (laughs) And right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Right. And so that one conversation, that one perspective shift was all I needed to say, okay, you know what? This person was right. I was thinking so narrowly. If there's something that you're getting pulled towards, you have to go for it. And it got to that point where it's like I couldn't, it was like I could not not <laughs> pursue the coaching business that I'm in today. Like It's like, to me, I wake up and I get to be myself. I literally get paid to be who I am, which is a dream come true. Uh, don't get me wrong. I invest a lot into continuing education and, and honing my craft, but it doesn't feel like an uphill battle, if that makes sense. It feels like I'm in flow yeah. getting to do this work. Yeah. Yeah. So if you don't mind taking us from that point, so you have this realization, like sounds super cool, like electricity shooting from your head to your toes. You're recognizing <laughs> my calling. Here it is, right. which seems like so much more of a pure experience than like some of the experience we have where it's like, okay, this is a great way I can make money or this is a way, like this is just like, it feels like a whole body experience. Like this is, what I'm supposed to do. But then the limiting beliefs creep in. Then you have this experience with this gal saying, don't listen to those. What does the journey look like from there? How do you go from there to where it starts working for you? Yeah. And that is a great question because even though I had the aha moment, the next one was great. Now you have to do the strategy. Because that was my question. How do I make money doing the thing that I love? And a teaching that I really pulled from both Tony Robbins, Jim Rohn, and a lot of other great motivational speakers is modeling is the fastest way to get there. So I really started researching some of the, you know, great speakers and coaches in the industry that I respected and admired at the time. And I aligned with their values. And I think for me, that was very important because, you know, there's a lot of people who make money in a lot of ways in different industries. Um, And just because somebody makes a lot of money or they say they make a lot of money, doesn't mean that their strategy and their model is right for you and your lifestyle. And so that's why I really had to look like, for example, even with Tony, I respect him, but I don't want to be a road warrior. Like that's just not my lifestyle. (laughs) And that's how he built his empire, right? Flies over 150 countries. He's always on the road, owns multiple businesses. You know, I, I have no desire to do that. Like I want to be able to have freedom with my family. I want to be able to go visit my mom or my cousins Mm. when I, Uh, feel like it, but then still be able to impact many lives. So number one, it was modeling, finding the models, the mentors, the people in my life who were exemplifying the business success, but also the life balance that I respected, because I think that's important too. Um, Just because again, that's a value of mine. And then the second thing was I really did invest in myself. So I've spent well over $200,000 on myself on coaching, seminars, education, 
because I really believe in ongoing education. I don't think it stops after college. Um, many of my friends got their masters and PhDs. I didn't have the funds to do that at the time. So my version of an MBA was, well, I'll just keep enrolling in things <laughs> and just learn at my own pace. Mm -hmm. And I was sort of like the school of hard knocks. Like I just got in there. I started building programs. I started hosting seminars. Like I just learned what I call the hard way, but that's my learning style. Like I need to experience it to feel it, to say like, oh, this worked. This didn't work. And then so after investing totally. myself, I'd say the third thing that I did was then I really started refining the business strategy um, by seeking coaches who had strengths in areas that I didn't. So for example, I'm good at the emotional aspect, which is why I feel like I'm a mm -hmm. strong coach. Right? I can connect with you. I can get into your mindset. But for a long time, what I lacked was the business sense. Like, okay, so how do I structure this so it's scalable? How do I, you know, set up a coaching program with an X amount of money and, and set up a paid subscription? And what does it look like to do a website? And then how do I market? Right? Even though I was in marketing, I didn't know digital marketing because that was a whole new field. Facebook ads, all these, you know, granular things. Um, and so the two components that were important, and this is a great mentor of mine telling me this, was you do the things that hone your craft, meaning if you're in real estate, if you're in business, if you're in finance, learn the skill set if you're in sales that's your craft right the art of it but then also learn how to be a ceo because <laughs> that's mm. a whole different hat totally is you have yeah right, you got to learn how to run the business have hr do accounting know your numbers know your conversion rates and that was something i had to really spend time learning as well so at the beginnings so you have this revelation do you immediately start a business for yourself is it a side hustle on top of a job that you hold? How does how does the business get legs? Yeah, so for me at the time, my life situation was I was about 27. I was single, so no kids, not married. And I had a good amount of savings in the bank. Not a lot, but enough to take care of myself. So for me at the time, uh, I could take a lot of risk and I decided, you know what, I'm going to burn my boats. I'm not going to continue branding and consulting. So I told all my clients, December of 2015, I'm done. So basically January 2016, here we go with the ultimate life. And everyone was like, what is the ultimate life? I said, I don't know, but I'm going to figure right. it out. I'm going to figure it out. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I, I definitely operated in the red for a full year. Like I was in the negative. I spent more in my business than I did making money. But it was just all about building my list, building credibility. I hosted my first, I think, live workshop in like eight, March of 2016. And for me, it was just go all in. I had to burn my boats, so to speak, um, to really feel the necessity of it, that there was no plan B, you gotta make it work. And part of it too was, you know, I did this and I will say not only strategically, but also spiritually. And what I mean by that is I really mm. sat in prayer with this, you know, you and I were kind of talking before this podcast mm -hmm. and my faith for me plays a huge role um, in my decision making on a daily basis. And it was uh, kind of my way of saying, all right, God, I trust you. <laughs> we gonna mm. have food in the stomach, a roof over my head, but you know, I'm nervous. Um, but it, it was definitely a character building year for me. It, it continues to be because entrepreneurship, as mm. many of you know, it's not easy, right? There are no guarantees. Just because you had a good year doesn't mean anything for the next year. You'd like to think. For it will. sure. Right? <laughs> right. 
But you're um, living a dream that so few people get to live. You know, you're living a dream of this is what you're called to do. You know, and obviously, you know, the saying, if you do what you love, you never work a day in your life. And, and you're living that dream. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's such a blessing. And I will say this dream came after a really dark place. So one thing I didn't add here Mm. was at that time I went to the seminar, I was probably at my lowest point emotionally. No one on the outside knew that, but I knew it on the inside. Like I was living at my mom's house. I didn't have much money. You know, my consulting was okay. Um, I had just ended a relationship that really broke my heart. And so I felt very lost as an individual at that age. And I just knew something wasn't right. Like, yeah, it was the money I was making was okay. I definitely wasn't happy with my friendships and relationships at the time. And I didn't even like the woman I saw in the mirror. And for me, that was a scary mm. moment. Um, and that was also a big push into going to the seminar was like, all right, maybe I need to just take time to invest in myself, reflect, see who I am. Because by nature, I'm a people pleaser when I'm not careful. And so <laughs> I would be the person who would always say yes, always help others. But the issue with that is then I would start to lose sight of who I was. I didn't really know what I liked. Um, and then, you know, I grow resentful of spreading myself too thin, but not doing anything for myself. And so in my journey of self-development and in my journey of entrepreneurship, which basically went hand in hand, I felt my truest sense of self come out and I was shocked at who I saw. So to those who are like, well, I can't just drop everything right now. I got a family, you know, I've got a wife and kids or a husband. Totally started as a side hustle, right? You don't have to burn your boats, but I will say, don't not do anything because what happens is that will always nag at you, <laughs> especially right. when you're pulled towards something. And that's what it was. No one was pushing me towards it. My, my mom, who's one of my biggest supporters, she never said, oh, you need to start making a lot of money. She would always ask me, well, do you feel like God is really calling you towards that? And I would tell her, I do. And I, I, it doesn't make sense to me. It doesn't seem practical. But I can't sleep at night knowing I hadn't tried. Mm. So if you've ever had that feeling, it's not going to go away unless you try, <laughs> essentially is what I'm saying. Uh, totally. And that was my journey out of B2B mm-hmm. into real estate was so similar. I mean, I still remember the sweat on my hands after I quit. My, oh my wife stay at home. So there's, I'm sole provider. So like I'm resonating so much with what you're saying, knowing like like burning the burning the ships, burning the boats is like, I think if you can do it, it's the way to go. And I know that it's really hard for some people, but you know, being able to move more and more towards an area of passion, like obviously it's, it's a lot more likely you'll succeed if you're, if you're all in. Yeah. And it's, well, but it's, and it's super scary. It is. You're right. And you know, again, I'm, I'm not here to tell anyone what financial decisions to make, but I will say one of my saving graces was I was very good at finding the right community and mentors to surround myself with, right? I was always making sure that I'm the quote unquote dumb one in the room. Like, and that that was really impressed upon me, surround yourself with people who are doing way better than you. And that's very intimidating, especially in the beginning, right? Here I am, young woman, creating my own coaching practice. I have two clients maybe making almost no money. And I'm with other coaches who have million dollar practices. I feel like I have nothing to offer them but at the same time, I knew I needed to be in those rooms because I was like, well, that, that's the goal. I've got to learn from these people. Um, 
And even with, you know, a, the decent amount of success, I wouldn't say I'm there yet. I don't think I'll ever be there. But I still love going into these rooms and feeling so intimidated. I never think that, oh, I've made it. Like, I'm glad. I'm so blessed. I'm so thankful that I have a business that can help provide for my family alongside with my husband. Hmm. But I still want to be learning and growing. I think that's really important in this journey. So even though I've been doing it for a good, you know, six, seven years now, and I still got a long way to go. I still have a lot to learn <laughs> and right. I love it. That, that's the fun part about business, I think, is there is never a dull moment when you're an entrepreneur. <laughs> So true. And it's so great to see the humility that you possess in just that desire to learn. And if you wouldn't mind taking us through like some of the mindset shifts that you've had to go to, I, I have no doubt that one of the reasons you're such a great performance coach is because you had to go through these mindset, mindset shifts yourself. Yeah. If you wouldn't mind taking us through some of those. And then now as a coach, what are some of the most common and beneficial mindset shifts people have to go through? Sure. Great question. So maybe I'll start with a couple of mine and then I'll go into the most common ones I see with some of the mm -hmm. highest performing entrepreneurs I work with. Uh, so one for me, as I kind of mentioned, was this self-limiting belief, the story that I didn't know existed, which is I can't do X because I'm blank. Right. And fill in the blank. Mm. That's for everybody. I can't do this because I don't have a college degree. I can't do this because I don't have money. I can't do this because I don't have that much experience. I can't do this because I don't do a million dollars a year GCI in my real estate business or whatever. Or I can't do this because people won't take me seriously. You know, whatever your excuse was, I had mine too. And so I just needed somebody to provide a little perspective that said, really, you don't think you can be a world changer because you're 5'2"? Well, let me show you someone who was, right? And I just needed that reminder, like, duh, right? And so sometimes for you, you may need to search out that, okay, who is a model? Who's an example of somebody that, despite the odds, they've done it. And we see it all the time, right? You go on Instagram, you see this guy with one arm deadlifting <laughs> or, you know, uh, pulling up a barbell that's like 200 pounds and he's got one arm. So for those of us who have two, and we're saying we can't, if one arm guy could do it, a two arm person <laughs> can do it, right? Totally. So it's not that yep. it's not possible, right? Maybe you just haven't seen the evidence in your own life. So hmm. for me, the first mindset shift was really, and I know it sounds corny, but anything truly is possible, but it has to start with what you believe. Um, hmm. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't matter what strategy you implement. If deep inside you don't believe it to be true, that will catch up with you. So I had to change my belief system. And I, one of my belief system changes was, can a young woman of color make an impact? That was just something that I had to overcome. And everything in my heart said, absolutely. It, the color of my skin doesn't matter. My height doesn't matter. My gender doesn't matter. Um, we were all made, again, what I believe is in the image of God. And we all play a very specific role in life. And what I came to later find out was, thank goodness I'm designed the way that I am, because I think sometimes because I look the way that I do and I'm, I'm smaller in stature, you know, I, I'm a female, it helps people feel a little bit more comfortable in opening up to totally. me, which makes me a very effective coach for certain personalities, right? So mm -hmm. thank God I am who I am. So for the person listening who may be struggling with that, 
maybe your very unique design, the thing you think that counts you out, a lack of college degree, lack of experience, your youth, your age, you know, whatever, that actually might be your selling point, right? That might be the unique thing that somebody needs in order to connect with you. So own your story, own who you are, is what I'm mm. saying. You're, you're designed exactly how you need to be designed. So I think that was one belief. And then the second Love belief, it. yeah, the second belief for me was that life really is happening for me, not to me. I think people get into this mindset of like, man, why is this happening to me? Of course, the deal didn't go through. Of course, my email's not working. Of course, right? And they think it's happening to them. But when I started shifting that and turning around, I was like, ooh, what if this is a gift for me? What's happening right now? I would always find the opportunity or the blessing in it. So let's just say somebody doesn't show up to a call or an appointment. Normally, I'd let that frustrate me. But instead, I go, oh, well, I wonder what it's going to give me time for. And then I find the thing, right? Somebody else calls me or I find another opportunity or I got another client because I decided, well, I've got free time. I'll go to the coffee shop. And I met that person, right? But you have to be willing to open your eyes to that perspective. So mm. that was huge for me because then everything became an opportunity rather than an obstacle. But even my totally. perceived obstacles <laughs> became opportunities, if that makes sense. Love it. Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom... Many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between five and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Because you're focused there, which is just such a beautiful thing. And before you go into the lessons that these, these entrepreneurs have taught you, I, I kind of want to like do a thought experiment. So in the beginning of our interview, you're talking about how you were thinking about being a doctor and a lawyer and, and along those lines. And it became obvious to you that that wasn't the path. How would someone know that it's not the path for them versus, you know, I just need a mindset change to become that thing. Is it tied to physical enjoyment of the, of the task or how would you sort that out? That's a great question. So one of the things that I would say is if, if let's say you were going into a bookstore right now and there's so many different, you know, genres, departments, division, what would be like the first place you would go to? So that's kind of a fun way to look at it. Like what area of the bookstore do you gravitate towards? So some people might say, oh, I really love cookbooks or 
I would go to the self-development section, or I'd go to the finance section, or I'd go to the metaphysical section, or I'd go into history and crime, right? So that's one clue, because you want to kind of see where you're naturally drawn towards. So if somebody right here goes, well, Camille, I go to graphic novels. What does that mean for me? Now, <laughs> that right? doesn't mean you need to be a graphic <laughs> novelist, but what is it about graphic novels that you like? So then that's the second question. So when I coach, I call it kind of the seven layer dip. There's different layers to things. And I'm always looking at, okay, the top layer is the pretty one, the stuff we like to show people. But as I ask more and more questions, we're always going to get to your true self. And so someone might say, well, I like graphic novels because I like the story of the underdog. Oh, well, tell me the story of the underdog. Like, who's your favorite character? And they might say, oh, you know, I really like Batman. Okay, what is it about Batman? Well, I like that, you know, he's trying to save the world, but he's misunderstood and this and this. And as we get deeper, we find out, oh, okay, so you want to help people, but you feel like you're mm -hmm. misunderstood. Where do you feel like you're misunderstood? So the reason I say this is because as you go deeper into self-reflection, you'll find that the things you're naturally drawn to also point you to your ultimate calling, right? Hmm. So let's just say your, your call is in business and you're like, yeah, but what kind of business? Well, I know I want to help people, but I don't know what kind. Okay, well, what sort of business do you tend to like? Do you like mechanics? Do you like finance? Do you like the idea of buying a franchise? Do you like the idea of running your own? Oh, I really want to run my own thing. Okay, great. Do you want to have a big team, a little team? Well, I could definitely see myself with a, a huge team, or I could definitely see myself with only a five-person team. So again, these are already giving you clues to what your calling is. Sometimes we just need somebody to ask the right questions to help draw us there. But at the end of the day, all I'm saying is you'll know based off your natural inclinations towards something. In fact, they say... Hmm. If you watch little kids, do you have kids, Matt? I think you do, right? I have four, yeah. Oh my gosh, okay. So you got four experiments <laughs> to try right now. <laughs> right, exactly. Um, so they say, like, when you're really young, watch what kids do naturally. So one kid might like stacking the coins in a very, you know, mechanical fashion, a particular order. One kid is always a mess, but they love talking to other kids. Um, one kid might always be tinkering with the little bike that they have. And so, you know, they've kind of got an engineering brain. And so whatever you were drawn to, sometimes as a little kid, can often point to what you're actually meant to do. The today. calling. Yeah. And what I didn't know, my mom told me much later on, growing up, one of my favorite toys, apparently, in the 1980s was this uh, little boombox speaker thing that had a microphone. And I would go around making announcements, <laughs> she said. Um, and, and I said, well, what would I make announcements about? She's like, anything. You just wanted to talk into the microphone and tell people things. So <laughs> funny that now I literally sit with a microphone all day. And that's what right. I do. That's so awesome. Yeah, that's yeah. super helpful. And so essentially the, your, the orientation of how you engage life early on kind of forms the basis. And you're probably drawn to things because it's more naturally how your brain works. Yes. And then once you're in that area, then it's time to buckle down and determine whatever mindset shifts that you need to become great at that thing. Exactly. And there are different tools you can use. Like, for example, I'm a big fan of psychometric assessments or what people might consider personality assessments. Um, the reason I avoid personality assessments is because you just have to be careful of the validity. Some are just, yep. you know, they're for marketing purposes. But things like you can use the Strengths Finder 2.0, um, the DISC assessment. If you're an entrepreneur, I like using Wealth Dynamics. 
And so these assessments are never to pigeonhole you. And I think that's the danger. Some people are like, oh, well, if, for example, they take the Enneagram, I'm a one, two, three, four, five, or whatever. Well, no, yep. not necessarily. You exhibit those characteristics, but there's so much more to you. But what these assessments 100%. do, right, they can help give you clarity on, oh, I, yeah, that's true. I do exemplify this strength. I didn't realize I am a logical person. And then my partner is more of the, uh, you know, uh, relationship person or the harmonizer. Those are all strengths. And these assessments can help you utilize and implement those strengths in whatever said business you're looking to pursue. Super helpful. Self-awareness is going to be one of your greatest uh, gifts to yourself and to your team in business, right? The self-aware leader is the one you want to follow. The one who is totally. unaware of themselves <laughs> is very dangerous. <laughs> right? Yeah. No kidding. And the self-awareness journey can be could be a long journey. I mean, it's a journey that I've been on for seven, eight years, and it just continues to unfold new learnings and new knowledge. But goodness, I can't imagine not going on that journey. Like, yeah. when do you feel like your self-awareness journey started? I would say it really kicked into high gear about that age of 27 when I started investing in myself. Like I said, mm. I dabbled in it. I, I've always been interested in self-development, I would listen to audio tapes, I would um, read books, but I never like did the work, if that makes sense. It was a very passive intaking of information. But the minute you start going to these things, the minute you start doing the journaling, the minute you share with people your deepest fears, that's where the real transformation happens. Because it's like when you hear yourself say the stuff you think, it's, it's almost tough because you're like, oh, I just heard what I think all day long and I don't like it. Um, I right. call it, get it out of your head and into a system. And that yes. system could be journaling. It could be a, a verbal recording. But this is why I think sometimes people avoid reflection and stillness is because if I stay busy enough, I don't have to pay attention to my thoughts. <laughs> but if I stop, Coach K, I'm gonna have to hear what I think and I don't wanna hear my thoughts. But if you ever say that to yourself, that's probably the work you want to do first. Because if you can't even that's be right. still alone, yeah, <laughs> no one's going to want to follow you. Totally. If you don't mind describing that for me a little bit. So how long, like talking about being alone for an hour, a day, a week, mm -hmm. how long should someone be able to sit in silence and just be with themselves to know that they're probably in a pretty healthy spot? Great question. Um, I don't have a scientific or a medical answer to that, but I will say that just start with five minutes. You know, if you can't do five, do 30 seconds, right? Just, just see how you feel. Pay attention to any sensations in your body. And when I say stillness, I mean no electronics, no TV, no music. Just sit there quietly. You could be outdoors, it could be inside, but see how you feel sitting with yourself. And if it already makes you kind of like, oh man, I gotta reach for my phone, I gotta do something, I'm antsy, then it's a good sign that we have become addicted to whatever it is that we're doing, right? I, I tell entrepreneurs all the time, this thing, if you don't control it, that means it's your boss. You're not the boss. Yep. <laughs> and it's totally. sad because we like to think like, oh yeah, my phone helps me make money but then people can't get away from it. And I'm like, well, then if you can't get away from it, that means it owns you at this point, right? 
Google owns you, Apple owns you, uh, Android owns you, and entrepreneurs don't want to be owned, which is why they own their own companies. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, and they're often owned more than, yeah. Go ahead, sorry. What was that? They're owned a lot, I was going to say, by different things. Yeah. Right. And that's why stillness is important because it's a good audit, mm. not just of your thoughts, but to also track where have I lost control and freedom to your um, sort of theme here. Where have I lost and given up my freedom to something else that's dictating my behavior, right? Because a good 80 to 90% of our behavior is just automatic habits. And the brain does that in order to preserve energy. So it's understandable. But if we're unaware of the habits that are not serving us, man, you're running on autopilot in a direction that you don't even want to really be going in. <laughs> and so stillness is important. So I'd say start with five minutes, mm. but the goal, for example, one of the practices I do twice yearly, if possible, is what I call a self-retreat. And I go on a self-retreat by myself off the electronic grid for at least two to three days. Ideally, if you could do three to four, great. But I am by myself, no email, no text, no computer. Like it's a full electronic detox and it's to fully reflect, plan, just get it all out um, to see, okay, what, what's going on in this year, in my family life, in my business, in my spiritual life. And it's just kind of your time with yourself, your time with God, your, your time with the spirit, however you want to define it. But when you can get to that level, I think that that is just so freeing in general. Um, because you can just be on your own and you don't require the overstimulation that I think a lot of us suffer from right now. Totally. In a place where you can make really wise decisions. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I know that the times I've taken away and the decisions that I made, it seems like the quality is so much higher than the decisions that you're making because you're in a place of frustration or a place that you just, you, you're striving for something more, but you're, you're just so distracted that it's it's hard to it's I almost like equate it to like when someone's on drugs or you know if someone wanted to get high on weed or whatnot and mm -hmm. they think these ideas are so amazing and then they come back to reality and it's like oh well those ideas aren't as good as I thought they were <laughs> right exactly so. exactly and in fact cool. I read a study recently that said how m most of the decisions you make from the big moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep are not really those of your own volition or your own um, autonomy. And, and I wondered, what, like, well, what does that mean? Well, we're so plugged in nowadays between social media, marketing, billboards, advertising. In fact, as we record this, Instagram's already about to change their whole feed where you're going to see less of your family and friends and more of suggested uh, <laughs> feeds or sponsored or ads, meaning you are getting bombarded with these messages day in and day out and they're seeping into your subconscious. So you wake up and you think, oh yeah, I'd really love a Starbucks coffee today. Do you really want that? Or is it because it's been advertised to you so many times, right? Or it's like, oh, I'm gonna put on these jeans that are my jeans. Well, you're putting on Levi's, which means Levi's put an ad in front of you, which means mm -hmm. that's why you bought those particular jeans, right? So that again you have to wonder like gosh it's not necessarily a bad thing however you know when is your decision really your decision and i think it's when we finally take time away in stillness to get away from a lot of the distractions and bombardment of information which is what i really mm. feel like we suffer from 
um, in this particular day and age. It's just so much coming your way. Um, it's overwhelming. Totally, which I think is a great transition. I know we talked pre-show about the coming content that you're bringing, which is all about focus. And so if you wouldn't mind kind of taking us into it, I'm assuming maybe this is a piece of that, but take us into how people in as a world as distracted as we are, how they can get focus um, so that they could be more productive. Absolutely. Um, when the pandemic hit in 2020, a lot of my clients are in the real estate industry. So I work with a lot of you know top brokers, top agents around the country. And there was, as you all know, probably a lot of nervousness around that. What does that mean? How do we host open houses? How do you show a house when you're not even allowed to go outside? Um, and so for, I think, just about a month, there was a lot of uneasiness. And then luckily, the real estate industry boomed. And it's still you know, doing fairly well, even though it's uh, tapered off a little bit. But this uncertainty of, well, what does this mean for my business? What does this mean for the world? What does this mean for my daily living? I noticed people were getting very distracted in the noise of one news station saying this, one pundit saying that, one podcaster saying this. And I recognized that my practice as, co as a coach would shift from motivation into focus. Because at this point, people were ready to do something, but because they were just inundated with so many conflicting voices, right? Everybody's got a, a YouTube channel. Everybody's got a platform. Everyone's got a thing. Everyone's an expert, right? And so who do you listen to? And I literally created this whole new program called 100 Days of Ultimate Focus, where I work with a group of entrepreneurs for 100 days straight, and we only focus on one business goal and one personal goal. And that's it. Because the idea is just focus on the one thing that's going to be the domino that tips all the other dominoes, right, in those 100 days. Because we were just taking it 100 days at a time. I didn't know what was going to happen that year or the next coming months. And so the reason I say focus has been my focus in coaching lately is because I think the big war we're in right now is we're no longer in the information age. We're now in the content bombardment <laughs> age because growing up for me, and I don't know what it was like for you, Matt, but I was taught how to go on Google to search for something, enter a keyword, and you go find the information, right? So it was very much great. We've got this amazing technology where any answer I need, I don't have to sift through an encyclopedia anymore. I can just type it in my phone or my laptop and I can go get it, right? That was the... Uh, uh, dynamic in that relationship. But now, oh, I don't even have to go get it. My phone yep. heard me say it in a conversation yep. Yep. and it's coming my way. Whether I like it or not, it showed up on my feed. It showed up in my email. I, the ad is there. I don't even have to ask for it. It's coming. <laughs> and so now what I'm seeing entrepreneurs deal with is how do you sift through all the noise that's coming your way because you don't have to search for it anymore. They, they're going to come to you and just make sure you stay in your lane and do what you need to do for you, your family, your community. And I think that's going to be the big differentiator now between the successful and the unsuccessful in this day and age is those who are successful are not just motivated, but they're really good at creating the boundaries of focus because everybody's vying for your attention right now. Hmm. So the better you can get at simplicity and stillness 
and and just literally accountability with the right people you'll win but if you're not careful you're going to be sitting in that shiny object syndrome like well this is good and this is good right well and somebody said this was good and you end up in analysis paralysis for way too long and you never do anything because unfortunately most of the information that comes your way nowadays and i know a little bit about this because before i uh, graduated college, I actually worked at a huge a news organization, one of the largest in the country. And I was a back-end producer, and I, I learned how the news was made from a very large broadcasting um, business model. And I thought I wanted to be a broadcast journalist because I was like, again, I want to use the microphone. I want to mm -hmm. help people. And by the way, this is no diss on the news. However, it's a business. <laughs> so Right, for sure. When I learned the business of it, I was very disillusioned because I was like, ah, I am not going to read that or, hey, this is a news story that's super important in my opinion. Why are we not talking about that? Well, the reason we don't is because this will not get as many ratings or views as this one. So we'll put this on the website, but for the 12 minute news cycle that people are going to watch over and over and over again, we're going to keep pushing this story. So with that said, it's designed to get your attention because it is a business and you have to mm -hmm. remember that. So it's not that it can't be useful, but you also have to know your limitations to, okay, I got to stop listening to other people and I really have to just buckle down and do the, the basics. I just got to do the work that I'm called to do. Um, and that's really what I want to help entrepreneurs get to now is like, man, get your focus back because um, everyone's trying to steal it from you. That, that I think is the new freedom. <laughs> it's totally. Focus. Yes. How cool. And so kind of tying back into a thing we talked a little bit about earlier, what are some of those mindset shifts of the people you've coached and how have that, how has that led them into their calling and their focus? Yeah. So I would say one of the big ones was actually similar to mine, which is that life is now happening for them. And hmm. whenever I do performance coaching, a lot of it is helping them to shift perspectives where let's say there's a situation in their business that they're so overwhelmed by or a situation at home that they're like, you know, Camille, this conversation with my wife or my husband is really impacting me at work. So a lot of it is, okay, well, how is this actually working in your favor? And usually I'm met with, what, what do you mean? This is like a horrible situation. How can yep. this be working in my favor? I said, well, let's just try. And when we start stretching our minds in that particular way, what happens is we literally create new neural pathways from old ways of thinking. So there's a concept called neuroplasticity, and that basically means that the brain starts to shape and shift based on experience. And we can create a mold in our brain based off repeated thought patterns, repeated experiences. And when we're by ourselves, you know, we all have habits of thought, right? You might think a particular way all the time. I think a particular way. So your brain automatically goes there. Then you get someone like, let's say an executive coach, and I disrupt the pattern, and I'm like, great. But Matt, think of it this way. And then your brain mm -hmm. goes, wait, what? <laughs> I, I would never think that way. And it's like, okay, but let's try. And it's almost like it makes a new neural pathway and goes, oh, well, that's an interesting perspective on that same situation. And so the mindset shift for a lot of folks is that, well, what if this is happening in my favor? What if this is strengthening my character? What if this is actually a new great challenge that I get to take on instead of something that I have to deal with, right? And I would say the second mindset shift is that thing I just said, I have to versus I get to. Hmm. It's a small linguistic shift, but 
whenever you catch yourself saying, oh man, I have to get up today to go to work. I have to go feed my kid. I have to pick them up from dance practice or whatever. You know, we get into these patterns. The truth is, no, you get to do these things. You know, God forbid there's going to be a day where your kid's grown and they don't ever want you to picking them up from anything ever again. Yeah, and then you don't get to. Yeah, Yeah, and you don't get to, right? Or, you know, um, you, you, for, you know, God forbid, you don't have breath in your lungs one morning, you don't get to wake up (laughs) and do anything. Mm -hmm. You're done, right? You're gone. But the shift of mindset into essentially abundance and gratitude is massive because then you start to treat most things that way. Everything is a privilege and an honor. And even if you don't necessarily like it, it's like, well, I get the opportunity to try. I get to make the sales call today. I get to work with a client. I mean, I could just not have a client in general, right? And so again, shifting from scarcity into abundance is have to versus get to. And the Mm -hmm. last reason that that mindset shift is so important is because when we say I have to, often the brain thinks, oh, you're like a slave to this. Yep. It's mandatory. You don't have an option. You don't have a choice. AKA, you're not free, right? You're a prisoner to this thing. And you start to believe that. And most prisoners don't like their prison guards, whoever you see as the prison guard, right? My spouse, my kids, my clients. But if I don't see them that way, if I get to, if I see them as like, well, it's a privilege that I have these people that I get to honor, care for, be in life with, even if they annoy the heck out of me, you know, you could just not have them. And what would life be like then? Some people right now might say, actually, it'd be kind of nice. You say that now. (laughs) Right. 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 But there would come again a point. So I have to versus I get to. And I would say the very last mindset shift Um, And I wouldn't say last, but at least to make it more general, that was really massive, is making sure you are making values-based decisions, Hmm. not just money-based decisions. And what I mean by that is, yes, we all want to make money. Um, I certainly want to get to a level where the business is scalable to seven and eight figures. But along the way there, there's many models that you could take, right? There's many paths to that. The reason I say values-based decisions are more important is because first, you've got to figure out what are your priority values in your life, then shape your money-making strategy around that. Because money comes and goes, right? But Mm -hmm. the things you value, let's say your family, your faith, your health, whatever those are, those are just non-negotiables. So if you're not willing to sacrifice time with them, your own personal health, your own personal faith practice, or whatever, community service, then, all right, how can I make my business and design it around these things? Because the issue I often see with some of the highest performing entrepreneurs I work with, they'll make millions and millions of dollars and then they're miserable. Totally. And yeah, and you think like, wait, so money makes you sad? No, because there's also people who make millions and millions of dollars and they're happy. <laughs> so it's not that. It's the structure they created. They created a monster that made a lot of money but it did nothing for their well-being or their fulfillment. And there are people who like, they did it in a way, be it slower, unique, whatever, you know, their path was, but they did it in a way that felt good and right for their lifestyle. And so it was a very balanced approach to building wealth, if that makes sense. 
Totally. There we go. And and one where maybe the progress isn't as fast as somebody who's put all their chips on the table, neglected their family, so on and so forth. But even if it takes a little bit longer, you get there, you have a much better ride, and you get to have freedom and purpose all along the way. Exactly. What would you see is, like if there was one thing that you could say to young entrepreneurs, I mean, I know you've given us many mindset shift ideas here. What would you say is like the key thing to be thinking about as someone starts into entrepreneurship? Surround yourself with really successful people that you respect Hmm. and admire. Um, Because again, you don't do this alone. And I think one of the hardest parts of entrepreneurship, especially in its early phases, is a feeling of loneliness. I hear that quite often, Um, especially if you're the first of your friends to become an entrepreneur or let's say your spouse isn't an entrepreneur and they're a nine to fiver and they don't understand your late night hours or why you're always thinking of work or why you can't just clock out, right? It's just, it's a different lifestyle when you own something because you literally own everything, right? You're the janitor, the marketing, the (laughs) HR department, the salesperson. Totally. So you have to find a community of people that number one, understand the lifestyle, but number two, who are also gonna hold you accountable to a higher level of decision-making and thinking. Because it's very easy in this world of entrepreneurship or business ownership to get caught up in your silo of like, well, how am I gonna make this work? How am I gonna make this work? And if you don't have other wise leaders that you are in scheduled, consistent community with, be it a mastermind, a weekly coaching group, something like that, where again, it's on your calendar, you meet with them every Monday or Wednesday or whatever the day is, and just hearing other perspectives, hearing what other people go through, it's so vital to your own growth and health and success. So. I would say that's a good place to start. It, it, to me, that was one of the mm-hmm. fastest ways for me to get on the path that I'm on is because I followed what other people did. And I was like, hey, she's doing it. This works. Let me try it. Uh, totally. Versus reinventing the wheel. For what? She already invented it. <laughs> Let me just. That's right. It works. Yes. My own version of the wheel. Right. right. Incredible. Yeah. Thank you so much. I mean, this is good. There's so much value here. And it's so sad, too, because, I mean, obviously you experienced a coach. I experience it being around real estate agents all the time. The amount of people that go into this business for freedom, for life enjoyment, oftentimes are consumed by their own businesses. And it's such a hard thing to see. And so I I think if people implemented even one or two of the shifts you're talking about, there would be tremendous increase in freedom. But if they're implementing all of the things that you're talking about, it's just such a, a great thing that you're coming in with an outside of the real estate perspective I think that many more real estate agents need to hear. So I just appreciate you coming on. And guys, if you're listening to this podcast, please do at least this. Write down one shift that you learned today and make sure you take action on it in the next seven days so that it actually sticks. Something happens. Make sure you reach out to Camille. Join her 100-day focus if you have the ability to do so. Focus, as most of you guys know, is probably the most important aspect in getting successful in business, particularly in our world. So please reach out to her. She's a wealth of knowledge. I've gotten to experience a lot of her teachings through a mastermind that I'm in that she's a coach is a part of. So um, it's just been great learning from her. So guys, take action. Thank you guys for tuning in and we'll catch you on the next one. 
Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 